Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. Samsonite. I was way off. Hold on to your butts. Text, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Great to have you on the Stephen Corson Show, where we like to talk about money, life, and everything else. This show is all about revamping how you think about money and how to use it to live the life that you want. I'm excited you made this show part of your financial journey. So let's get to it. So I want to get into the topic of the financial foundation. What is it and why you won't become a millionaire without it? Now, financial foundation is a term that is pretty common, gets used a lot in financial circles. They'll talk about it from a business perspective, personal perspective. Um, At the end of the day, there's a lot of decent um, definitions out there. But for our purposes, it's really going to come down to three main pillars that all have the exact same purpose. Um, You know, so the question today is, do you even know what a financial foundation is? A lot of people, whenever I start talking about, um, you know, money and finances, a lot of people ask me about investing advice and different things like that. I always start with the exact same thing. Do you have your financial foundation set? And a lot of times I get yes, maybe depends. And what I realized is I really needed to for our purposes uh, within everything money and you know the Stephen Corson show, I needed to define what a financial foundation is. So that's exactly what we're going to do. So like I said, it's three pillars. Um, the first one is six months expenses saved, and that's minimum. Okay, normally I don't rem- uh, recommend more than a maximum of twelve. So if you have a full year's worth saved, that's great. Um, you know, it's a level of comfortability. Also depends on the type of job you have. Some jobs are a lot easier to get than others. Um, so it really just kind of depends uh, where you are. But six months saved minimum is one of the pillars of the financial foundation. The second one is insurance. And when I'm talking about insurance, I'm talking specifically about health insurance and then other mandatory types of insurance, normally things uh, like car insurance and homeowners insurance. Uh, I would probably include renter's insurance along that. If you have um, a significant amount of assets and you just happen to be renting. If you're a college student and you don't really have much outside of like your laptop and your apartment was on fire, you could probably get out, you know, pretty quickly. Or if you, you know, weren't home and it caught on fire and everything was destroyed, you can replace a laptop and some of your clothes pretty easily. Um, so, you know, but again, renters insurance is really cheap. Do you really want to take that hit? So normally renters, homeowners insurance, normally going to recommend something like that. Like I said, car insurance, mandatory, and um, then health insurance. And I know here in the States, health insurance is a huge topic. It's really expensive. We'll briefly touch on that, but um, uh, we're not going to get into the, the details there. And then the third and final pillar is cash flow. Now, normally at this level, when we're talking about cash flow, we're really just talking about your job. What is your primary source of income? Because in order for it to be a foundation, you have to have all of your ba- uh, your basic needs met. If you remember all the way back in school, they talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's things like food, shelter, you know, like all of those kind of physical base needs that you have. We, we're talking about just enough cash flow in order to cover those. So that is our uh, definition of the financial foundation. So we're going to get into it now and talk a little bit about it. But first, you know, into we're going to break down each of the three a little more. But first, I wanted to say that the point, the way that I came to this definition of financial foundation is um, I started thinking about houses, right? I have uh, I'm in the process of building my third house. 
Um, I've, I've moved out of each one since then. I've actually, ever since I've uh, stopped renting out apartments, different things like that, I've actually never lived in a used home before. Uh, it wasn't like that was a thing I was trying to do. It just turned out that all the areas that I ended up moving to had a lot of construction going on. And, uh, you know, I would go to look at these older houses that would need some renovation. And it was literally the same price, if not almost cheaper to build something brand new and just get exactly what I wanted. And then I don't have to live in and deal with the construction. So anyway, like I said, it just kind of worked out that way. Um, not saying that's the best way to go, best strategy, you know, do your homework anytime you're buying a home. It's a big decision. But at the end of the day, whenever I go out and I see a home being built, the first thing that's happening takes a while to do, okay? It, it's, it, it's not sexy. It doesn't look good. Once it's down, you'll never even think it's there. It's just the piping and the concrete slab. It's all the plumbing. Um, that concrete slab goes down on top of it. It takes a while. There's a lot of digging, a lot of clearing of the ground. You feel like these guys, you know, they're actually building some houses in the neighborhood where I am right next to me. You feel like they're just kind of in the same phase forever. And then one day, boom, the walls go up. They start doing the framing of the house. And then you're like, oh, wow, now we're making progress. Now things are really starting to move. You know, the walls go up. Then they put the frame up for the roof. Uh, next thing you know, they're filling it in and, you know, with uh, uh, like insulation and different things like that. And then it's just like all this time was spent on this foundation and it looked like they weren't ever really getting anywhere. It was just the damn foundation, right? Not sexy, not something you think about. But without that, those walls crash down. That roof, you, you're going to get leaks in it. Even if it's off, even if that foundation is off just a little bit, you're going to get leaks in the roof that could prove disastrous to the rest of the interior. You're going to get mold, rip out the walls. Like the, It could go on and on. It cannot be understated how important it is to get the foundation of a home right. Well, guess what? That is the exact same thing with a financial foundation. You have to have your financial foundation right. Otherwise, it really doesn't matter what you're going to build on it. I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of people ask me the question, well, while I'm building my financial foundation, can I be investing? And the answer I give is much like a doctor would give you when you're asking about the health of a ba general health of a baby or, um, you know, a lawyer would give you in terms of, you know, literally almost anything you would ask them. Uh, depends. <laughs> There's not really a, a clear cut answer on that. And anybody who will give you a clear cut answer is just lazy. Um, at the end of the day, it is possible to invest while you're building up that financial foundation. It does add a layer of risk. Um, but the number one thing I would just say is that you really need to have a surplus of income in order to be able to do that. Uh, and, and even if you do, I would mo more times than not argue that you're still better off just taking that surplus of income and instead of investing it in the moment, um, going and just getting to your financial foundation even faster. Get to those six months. Make sure that you have the insurance. You know, Go through and make sure that you're, you're cash flowing well, like all of those things. It's like, just get it done. Just get it out of the way. Because if you try to build the foundation and the walls at the same time, can you do it right? Yeah, you're going to have to break it out into sections. It's probably going to take a little bit longer. It's still risky. So at the end of the day, in my opinion, it's just better just to get it done buckle down, knock it out. If you got all this extra money you wanted to invest in, I got news for you. More than likely, whatever it was that was a great investment that you were so excited about, 
it's going to be around by the time that you end up getting your financial foundation together or by the time that you do get it together, there's going to be an equally good opportunity. The world is never short of investable opportunities. Okay. So don't think that, oh, I have to get it in now. If you're feeling urgency to invest now, you really need to ask why and should probably get a second opinion from somebody else a little more objective on whether or not it's a good one at all, because you're probably emotionally tied into it. So anyway, financial foundation, we are building something that is meant to last. We're building a financial legacy and it's not going to last if we don't have it. So let me give you a real world example of what I'm talking about. So let's say that I have $50,000 and you know, of that $50,000, I need about 40 of it in order to have my six months expenses. Um, and then at the same time, uh, you know, I, the rest I want to begin investing. Well, let's say I take half of the money and I start investing that. Um, but then I only have, uh, three months, let's call it, you know, saved up. Well, when money is being invested, let's say I just put it in the stock market, for instance, and then all of a sudden there's a huge downturn in the market. Investments do not constantly go up. They fluctuate a lot like a heartbeat. Um, they gradually trend up over time if you're doing it right, if it's a good investment, but it's never just a straight up line. So when things get bad, normally there's a lot of things getting bad. The old adage, when it rains, it pours, that's very much in true in investing. So think about it in terms of the 2008 financial crisis or with COVID or anything like that, what happened? What ended up happening was that things tanked. And if you were in a position where you didn't have six months expenses saved up, then you might've needed to get access to that cash or that money that's stuck in an investment. Well, guess what? If you're in a position to where your investments are down and you're running out of money because you don't have enough saved, now you're hurting yourself twice because not only have you wasted the money that you did have available, but now your investments are actually worth less than it was when you started. So you're losing money. So that's why it's really tricky and you need to make sure that you have this financial foundation ready because if you don't, then when it comes time to actually needing the money, you could be in a whole lot of trouble and end up hurting yourself even worse than you would have been better off. Time is your biggest ally when it comes to investing. It's just the case. The six months expenses is not about money. It is about time. You need to save yourself time. And the other thing is that six months is the minimum for a reason. And normally, if you were to lose your job, let's say you're married, you know, if me and my wife both lost our job, for instance, we could take our six months and we could easily stretch it to nine. We would just cut back on a lot of the frivolous spending. We could probably get it to about nine months. Also, we'd be pulling our kids out of daycare because we'd be watching. I mean, there'd be a lot of things we could do, you know, but that's why six months is the minimum. Okay. Anything below that, sometimes I'll see three to six months. Three months really isn't a long time. It really depends on what you're doing. I mean, just thinking my wife's in the medical field, for for instance, if she were to lose her job, sometimes she can't get a job for three months just because it takes a long time for medical licensing to clear. There's a lot of regulated industries to where it's not like, you know, for me when I work in the, you know, working in the corporate world and different things like that, I, I can just go and get another job tomorrow if I really need to. But in a lot of industries, that's not the case. You can't just sign up or maybe there's a job that you really want and they really want you, but you have to start at a certain time frame because they, they're, the, they're cyclical or seasonal in nature. You just don't know. You need to protect yourself by yourself sometime. 
Okay. So that is the six months expenses. You know, and, and the other thing is this disasters are going to happen. Okay. COVID 19, financial crisis of 2008, fires in California, floods in Louisiana, stock market crash. Disasters are going to happen to you on a macro scale and they are going to happen to you on a micro scale. Could be something that just affects your family. Your house is the only one that's taken out by a twister in Oklahoma. Everybody else was fine. You know, whatever the case is, it, uh, you could get sick. You know that, and, and maybe it's not something like, um, you know, like a cancer even. But you know, I know people who were out with pneumonia, or they got COVID really bad. They were out for a few months. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that can happen, and you just need to make sure that you have time because guess what? When it does come time for you to get a job again. You don't want to be rushing into whatever the next thing is available because it may not be the best job for you. It may not be a good fit, but you may just out of the urgency and the panic of, oh, I've only got two months left. Oh, I've only got a month. I've only got two weeks and then I've got to go into debt. Well, that's that's not what I want. So I'm just going to take this job and then I'll end up looking for another one. A lot of people just end up settling and getting stuck in a bad position. Buy yourself time. Give yourself an opportunity to make a really good decision. I know somebody who got laid off from their job just recently, strictly just because she had a difference of opinion on where the company was going. Company said, nope, we're not doing it this way anymore. We want to do it this way. She didn't want to do it. They ended up firing her. Guess what? I saw her two weeks later. She's looking super tan, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit uh, you know, more fit. She said she'd been hitting the gym, laying out, going to the pool bought herself some time. She'd been so stressed working at this job for so long because a lot of time when you're clashing with your company like that, I mean, it's stressful. It's not good. There's 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 problems internally and that causes a lot of stress in your life. She was able to take some time and relax. She had a feeling this was coming. Me and her had talked about it. I said, start saving your money and start looking for a new job. That's exactly what she did. She had interviews lined up, but she has time. She doesn't have to rush back into the workforce tomorrow. She can look around, evaluate her options, negotiate a better deal, and she will end up in a much better position because she bought herself time. And then, like I said, you don't want to go into debt to worsen your situation. I mean, that's just, you know, another kick to the nuts while you're already down. You know what I mean? It's like you don't want to be there and you're already panicking. It's already stressful. And now your bank account's at zero and you got to go open up another credit card and start swiping. And now the banking, uh, the credit card is earning 22% interest on your pain and suffering. <laughs> it's just, again, this is just about quality of life is really what we're talking about. Don't think about this in terms of numbers. This is about stress. This is about livelihood. Uh, this will have, you know, when all that stuff is negative, it impacts your family. It's not good. Avoid that and just get six months minimum saved up. Work on it. You'll get there. The next one is insurance. So like I said, generally I'm talking about health insurance, but I am also talking about things like car and homeowners insurance. Now this is different depending on the country you're in. I've got a couple of listeners in the UK, very different situation over there. But in general, the one thing that you just need to make sure is that on big ticket items, if you would have a disaster, car accident, your house, you know, like I said, gets knocked over, you know, or sunk under by an earthquake, whatever the case may be, 
Make sure it does not financially ruin you. You need the safety net of insurance. Now, here in the States, insurance is a mess. I understand it's expensive. It's incredibly unfortunate. I am not an expert on insurance, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do. Um, I'll be doing a series on that in the future with experts um, who know a little bit more about it. But in general, you need to make sure that you're set up and you're ready to go. If you are elderly, um, you know, and you're pushing, you know, you're, you're, you're in your 70s and, and you're getting older, your partner is getting older, you need to start thinking about the fact of, oh, if I lose them, we lose our retirement benefits, life insurance, that should come into play at that point. Same thing if you're a younger family, let's say you're single income right? Um, what happens if you die? If you're the primary earner of the household and your family doesn't have anything? Well, guess what? At that point, six months expenses aren't going to be enough because now they're, you know, whoever it is in the house that the wife or the husband that doesn't have the earning potential that you did, now they've got to go get a job. So unless their earning potential is just as good as yours, um, eh, it, it's going to be tough probably going to have to sell the house, probably going to have to downgrade the lifestyle a little bit. So if you are in a position where you've got a lot of that happening and you need to protect them, then okay, you need to consider life insurance. So whatever that ends up looking like for you, insurance is very different for everybody. But at the end of the day, prevent disasters from ruining everything you've built. That's why the foundation is so important. You can have a decent foundation, but if it gets rocked by an earthquake when it comes down, the walls of that house will come tumbling down. Well, the same thing here. Whatever big calamity could potentially happen in your life, protect yourself from it, protect your loved ones from it, and make sure that it's a hiccup during your nice long life instead of something that sets you on a downward spiral that is going to be incredibly hard to recoup from. Okay. And actually, I will say one thing about this real quick, um, because this doesn't get brought up enough. This is a little off topic, but it's an anecdote here in the United States specifically. Again, not sure outside of it. A lot of people don't realize that you can actually negotiate hospital bills. Um, that's something that's really important. If you get a hospital bill and you don't have insurance to cover it, um, please do not start paying that hospital bill. Okay, there are programs, there are uh, hospitals taken into account that people won't have it. Um, you can really work down the debt a lot if you just call them and have a conversation about it. Okay, the hospitals know that a lot of these procedures are expensive and they would rather recoup some of the money than none of it. Right. So don't just start paying it off and go into debt uh, if you get a really bad um uh, you know, break your leg or something, you don't have uh, insurance, call the hospital, negotiate. Okay. Anyway, back on topic. Uh, third and final one, cash flow. So again, cash flow is incredibly important, doesn't get talked enough about. And um, this is something that at the end of the day will enable you to become a millionaire. Cash flow and what you do with it is incredibly important. But for the sake of this conversation and just talking about the financial foundation, cash flow is really are you making enough to meet your basic needs kind of like what we talked about that maslow hierarchy you know we're talking about food housing transportation costs uh daily expenses different things like that can you cover that if you can that's great that's what we're talking about but here's the thing that i need you to think of maybe you're sitting here and you're listening you're going yeah steven i can cover it you know it, it's tough things are hard right now but we're getting by but you're working three jobs. Okay. Here's a huge caveat to that time, your time, right? Your time and your energy 
the, the there's there's the three resources we already we always talk about the three infinite resources there's time there's energy and there's money and at any given point in time you have you have some amount of all three of those right and they're constantly fluctuating and interchanging for each other so time and energy in the most basic you know form of a job right is what we are exchanging normally for whatever currency it is we're exchanging that for cash so uh, what you need to make sure that you are doing is that you are evaluating how much time is getting spent on that. There's a huge argument uh, going on right now politically about whether or not we should move to a um, $15 an hour. What would that do? Would that make the, the cost of things go up? You know, would it raise people out of poverty? You know, at the end of the day, nobody's 100% sure, but the current, the, the, the government's uh, congressional budget office has said that, yeah, it would, it would enable a lot of people to get out of poverty um, because it would essentially double our rate of where we are right now. Um, but about 900,000 people would get out of poverty, but about 500,000 would go into extreme poverty because they'd lose their jobs uh, due to automation and a lot of other things. So when it comes to something like that, you have to, you have to think about two things. You have to think about one, my time, what is it worth? You know, is my time worth $15 an hour? There's a lot of cashier jobs that are not worth $15 an hour. Why? Because at this point we can automate it and we can have, you know, robots or, uh, you know, self checkout. Uh, you know, I got, I went to target the other day. I did the self checkout line. They had one attendant just helping people out. You know, if they had an issue checking receipts, for uh, I think it was like six kiosks. Well, normally you'd have to pay six cashiers for something like that. Well, that's way more efficient and less costly to the business. They'll just move to a model like that. And like they said, it'll cost people jobs, but that one person will get paid more. So you need to understand two things when it comes to cash flow. What are you worth to the company that you work for? Are you worth $10 an hour, $15 an hour, $50 an hour? You need to understand that. When you understand that, if you come to a point and you realize, hey, I'm not earning enough to meet my basic needs, that's why I have a second and a third job, then this is my challenge to you. Your answer is not a fourth job, fifth job, anything like that. The answer to your problems is a better first job. But it doesn't mean that you could qualify for maybe maybe you could go from you know making ten dollars an hour to eleven dollars an hour working for somebody else that's not what i'm talking about what i'm talking about is going from ten dollars an hour to twenty dollars an hour well how do you do that you upskill so whether you need training in something maybe you go on youtube the things you can learn on youtube are absolutely incredible maybe you have a second and third job you need to get rid of that third job and you just need to focus on that second job a little bit more. Maybe you're part-time. I, I don't know what the mix is, but what I do know is this. You are what your skill sets dictate your worth in the open market, okay? That's the beauty of capitalism is that you can rise above your station. And in order to do that, you're probably gonna have to learn something that you maybe haven't learned before, or you're gonna have to do something different that you've never done before. But you can, because there's a lot of countries out there 
India, very classist. You can't just rise to a different station, right? They don't have the educational resources available in a lot of areas over there for you to just go and start learning things. You know, China, very, um, you know, communist. It doesn't even really matter what you end up doing in a lot of situations over there. You probably won't earn much more anyway because of communism. You know, there's a lot of different places to where you can't just upskill and your improve the quality of your life. But in capitalistic countries, you can. So what I would say is whatever it is that you're doing, maybe you're working at a, as a cashier and your second and third jobs are cashiers at other places. Well, maybe what you need to do is drop that third cashier job. And even if that's really going to pinch the budget a little bit, you spend your nights and whatever time you have available on YouTube, learning how to do video editing, learning how to do, um, you know, photo editing, something like that, uh, learning how to do computer coding. And then you can go out on the free market. You can advertise yourself via social media, all these other things, and you can start making money. And Maybe you start taking photography lessons. There's a lot of different things that you can do. And then all of a sudden, your time is worth more money, right? So that's cash flow. Like I said, you need to make sure that you can cover your basics. At the end of the day, cash flow and how you invest it is going to decide how and when you become a millionaire. But it won't matter if you don't have that safety net. It won't matter if you don't have this financial foundation because you could be earning $1,000 an hour, but if you have crazy high expenses, you could potentially lose your job, maybe your health gets affected, whatever the case is, you can have disasters that can happen that can cause you to dip in the walls that you have built, the beautiful house uh, <laughs> of financial freedom that you might be living in at that point in time, it can crash. And even with these things, there's potential for that crashing, but it's very unlikely. So anyway, all that being said, cash flow, insurance, six months expenses saved minimum. Those are the three things that I consider the most important for the financial foundation. When things get bad and the walls come down, you're still not going to go below this. Okay, this is where it's going to hold. And as you continue to build wealth, and as you continue to um, create revenue generating assets, the financial foundation is the thing that is ultimately going to prop everything up. So hopefully this was helpful. This explains a little bit about what I'm talking about every time I reference financial foundation, which is very often. And uh, you can take it and uh, go check the boxes, make sure that you're in a good position for yours. I hope you enjoyed this episode and had a good time. If you'd like to support this podcast and our broader efforts with everything money to bring quality financial entertainment and education to the masses, then please just take five seconds to go give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or vote for us on Spotify. You can also check out our Patreon page for more behind the scenes and go to www.everything.money for more problem-solving and life-changing information. And most of all, thanks for listening. <laughs>